It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. Right the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a really good one in store today. Coming up uh, in the third half of our three-hour tour, I'm going to talk with uh, photojournalist and science writer Erica Cyrano, uh, who dives into the plastic crisis in America and explores the ways it's grounded in environmental racism in her new book, Thicker Than Water. And then in uh, in the middle, the second hour, this is a fascinating story about uh, a defunct roadside zoo in northern Michigan and the uh, rescue of the all-but-abandoned animals and relocation to sanctuary by PETA. And uh, Brittany Pete from PETA will be joining me. But first up, we're going to talk with um, my first guest, who is the executive director of the Adaptive Learning Center, a preschool inclusion program in Atlanta, and the author of a book series based on his uh, oldest child, Charlie, called appropriately Adventures with Charlie by Charles Shane, who joins me by phone. Hi, Charles. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Um before we start talking about Charlie's adventures, uh, can we talk a little bit about Charlie? Charlie's not like other kids, according to 
what I've been reading about you and, and Charlie and, and your family. Um, how is Charlie different? Well, Charlie was born uh, with special needs. He is nonverbal. Uh, he is non-ambulatory, so he uses a wheelchair. He has very low muscle tone in his hips. Um, he, since he's nonverbal, he uses signs and gestures uh, to communicate. He makes up a lot of the signs uh, that are associated with any environment or person that he happens to be with. And he, we also taught him some American Sign Language, but because he doesn't have fine motor skills, he has more like more gross motor skills that he has to do more gestures and larger signs uh, that basically speak to who, he's, who or what he's talking about. You know, people assume when you say nonverbal, Charles, that that means that that he's not likely to interact with people, but that, from all accounts, is not the case. He makes friends pretty much wherever he goes. He does. And, Charlie, one of the blessings of of him is he is nonjudgmental. He doesn't see anybody with judgment like we do. And so he literally is an example of loving everyone just for being being there as opposed to who they are or what they do or what they look like or anything. He just loves people, and he is very social, and that's kind of the reason for the book series is, you know, I have him out in the community all the time uh, in restaurants, uh, you know, again, playing uh, his uh, baseball in his special baseball league going to Waffle House. I mean, he loves to be out with people. So uh, this COVID thing has been, a, has been a challenge, but we have made it work and gone to places when they were less crowded and he could be in them and not have so many uh, people, especially early on in the pandemic. Charles, um, I mentioned you're the executive director of the Adaptive Learning Center, which is a uh, preschool inclusion program in Atlanta. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And and also, I, I have to ask, did you go into that line of work as a result of, of um, your experiences with Charlie, or um, were you already in that line of work when Charlie came along? No, I was uh, in corporate America doing the corporate America thing. And um, so, when Charlie was three months old, he, he wasn't lifting his head. And the pediatrician said, something's not right. And of course, it was our first child, so we didn't, we didn't know. I was like, well, it's a pretty big head. No wonder he can't lift it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that wasn't the problem. Um, he had, some, um, he had a, 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 some challenges with his you know, brain formation. And so that's when we discovered that he was going to have special needs and really had to throw out all the books of what to expect your first year because he wasn't meeting any of his milestones. And all those books did was frustrate us because all we could focus on was what he wasn't doing. So I got rid of the books and we just started focusing on what he could do. And that really changed our perspective and our attitude about him and everything he was doing. And so that was kind of the first step. And then we came across as he got to preschool, uh, there, there really wasn't, and this is back in the late 90s, there weren't any places for children with special needs to go except a self-contained classroom in a public school with other kids with special needs. And we wanted Charlie to be around his typically developing peers because we wanted him to see the examples of what other typical kids were doing so he might take on those role models 
as well and, and their behaviors and their actions and everything. So we found the Adaptive Learning Center, and it was a small program, and it had two preschool classrooms um, that Charlie and another little girl who was in a wheelchair were were entered into in, the, in, in one school, and there was another school. And he was basically in a classroom with a facilitator through the Adaptive Learning Center with all his other typical um, uh, age children. And so that was kind of the beginning of that journey um, of the Adaptive Learning Center, of having kids with special needs included in a typical classroom. It had never been really done. I mean, I know we did some mainstream stuff back in, you know, elementary school and things like that in public school, but never in a preschool level. And so this was very pioneering uh, by our founder, Susan Tauber. So Charlie went through the program, and then he went on to elementary school. And it really just was such an effective program of getting him included in the community and with other typical kids that um, about 11 years ago, they came to me and said, we would really like for you to be our executive director. And I said, no, I really don't want to do that. And they said, well, you're the perfect candidate because you understand what we do, you know enough about fundraising, <laughs> and you run a business. Sorry, so, sorry Charles. We've, uh, sorry, Charlie, we've already printed the cards. Exactly. You're it. So I've been there 11 years. Um, it's been a phenomenal experience. We've expanded the program. We're now in uh, 12 different preschools around the city of Atlanta, and we're oh, actually wow. now in a major campaign um, to take this program to, to schools uh, that are at the YMCA Early Learning Center and another program called Sheltering Arms that serves um, all kinds of inner-city kids. We've kind of changed our model a little bit so that we can meet a lot more kids and a lot of kids who can't afford the program because it's very expensive to provide individual one-on-one -on -one facilitation uh, for children in, in, a, in a classroom. Charles, I, I, I don't mean to be indelicate, indelicate, but you mentioned that Charlie is your oldest child. You have two others. Um, how were you not maybe a little gun-shy about having more kids? Well, I won't say it wasn't something we discussed, but it was something that we felt was important and that they couldn't identify exactly what caused Charlie's challenges. I mean, we went to geneticists, we went to everybody. So we kind of felt like, you know, if, 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 there, if it just kind of was a fluke type of situation, then let's have more kids because we want Charlie to have more role models within the family um, to, to grow up with. And so we had two other kids and they are typical and one's out of college and the other one's got two more years. Now you mentioned he's nonverbal and, um, travels in a wheelchair and has some motor skill issues, uh, and, and it's difficult for him, for example, to completely communicate with ASL. But when he's interacting with other people, is he receiving messages as well as anyone? Oh, yes. He, he has a condition called apraxia, and he can understand everything you're saying. I mean, it, you know, within, within the level of about a four-year-old. I mean, if you ask him to balance it, your checkbook, he's not going to understand that. But if uh, <laughs> he understands everything you're saying. And so Charles, can, I'm not he, sure I understand how to balance my checkbook. <laughs> Yeah, me, me either. <laughs> um, but he, he understands everything you're saying, and 
um, he, he he's actually pretty smart in figuring out how to communicate. And I'll, let me give you an example. Um, so he plays baseball at it's called um, Christopher League. Some call it Challenger League. It's where uh, typical kids help push the kids around in wheelchairs. They help them bat. It's just you know it's really just kind of fun. Nobody really keeps score, and it's just kind of a, like a your family reunion softball game type of environment. But it's very very uh, happy, and everybody's cheering and having fun. Well, his coach is named Leo, and Charlie also has another friend from uh, uh, from the Waffle House, which is where the book Charlie Goes to Waffle House comes from, and his name is Theo. Charlie loves Theo the cook. And Theo's sign is putting his hand up to his nose and pinching his nose kind of like a clown. And that became Theo's sign. So we're at baseball, and he just keeps saying Theo, 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 Theo. And I'm going, why do you keep saying Theo at baseball? Why Theo at baseball? And then it clicked. Theo rhymes with Leo. It was the only way he knew to get that communicated in the similar sounds. And I said, are you trying to say Leo? And he was shaking his head like, yes, you idiot. I've been telling you this for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, it really is context of understanding where he is and who he's talking about. And it's just like in the English language when we have our three twos. You know, we have two, two, and two. And they all sound the same, but they all mean three different things. How does... Charlie um, impact your other children, or how are they impacted by him? Well, I think they have developed, obviously, a soft sense of heart for uh, others with differences, and um, they're very compassionate. Uh, they're very caring of others. Um, my oldest daughter, she's gone into, um, into a ministry field, uh, in her work, and then my son is still um, in college. But I think it really impacts them to be um, a little bit kinder and a little bit more gentle towards others with differences and not be so quick to rush to judgment on things. And I think that's one of the beauties of this whole Adaptive Learning Center inclusion program is we started, well, I didn't start it, but it was started to give the children with special needs an opportunity to be around typical children. But what we found was the indirect result was the typical kids became the facilitators for these kids. They grew more compassion and um, acceptance at an earlier age because they were exposed to kids with differences at the earliest age really possible that they could be aware of it. And so their fears were allayed from kids with wheelchairs or differences that's and it great. really has transformed, it transforms the school environment. Charles, I want to talk some more about uh, Charlie's Adventures and the book series, but I have to take a break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. Great. My guest is Charles Shane. He is the author of Adventures with Charlie and the executive director of the Adaptive Learning Center. We'll be right Hello back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with uh, Charles Shane. He is the uh, executive director of the Adaptive uh, Learning Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the author of a uh, book series called Adventures with Charlie. Uh, Charles, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Charles, the uh, the book series, um, well, first, let me ask, how old is Charlie now? Uh, Charlie's 26. And how old was he when you started the series? Uh, about, well, I wrote them when he was in middle school. So, what, 13, 12, 13, 14? But I... I wrote them then, and it just took me a while to find the right illustrator and publisher, which means I didn't know what to do until they happened to run into me one time, and I jumped on it. <laughs> he's, he's um, Charles, uh, Charlie's portrayed as a little younger than that um, in the books. Is there a reason for that? Is there a target audience that, that you have in mind for the books? Yeah. Yes, I wrote him as if he was really in elementary school uh, because that's really the age that all of these things started to happen. So I, I wrote him, I wrote him after elementary school, but I wrote them as if he was still in elementary school. Okay, and so yes, the audience—I mean, they're children's books, so um, you know they're geared towards preschool basically and, and early readers. And again, that the whole purpose of that is to introduce them to, in the story, Charlie has a magic flying wheelchair that he can fly through the air um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, not be afraid of a wheelchair because kids, they just don't see them that often. And really, children are just curious. And of course, when we're out in public, I, I mean, I'll even see a two-year-old sitting at their, in their high chair just staring at Charlie's wheelchair going, how do I get one of those? <laughs> Every, everybody wants to take a turn in the wheelchair. Um, exactly. How does Charlie feel about being the star of a uh, a book series? He loves it. When I first took him to meet the illustrator and the publisher, which and they are sisters from Western North Carolina, and that's where I met him when we were up there one weekend. Um, she had laid out the book on blank pieces of paper the the publisher and editor had and it was just blank paper that she had taken the words and said this is kind of the layout of the book and then her sister doriel is going to do the illustrations on these pages and this is how it will work so she'll know to have light colors where the words are so we're sitting there actually at a waffle house in silva north carolina and charlie kind of reaches over and grabs the the paper and I said do you want to see this now there's really nothing to see on it but I said do you want to see it and he shakes his head yes and I said what's this book about and he patted his chest he goes it's about me <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's great. I knew he was gonna love he was gonna and he loves looking at pictures he loves looking at all the illustrations I mean some of these books have I mean he's on his fourth or fifth copy because he reads them in bed and they get bent over and the page gets torn out because it's so worn, and he just—if all I ever did him for was that, it would have been worth it. And and that really is the reason I did it was for him to celebrate him, 
Um, but it's been great to, to, to get them out to other people and get them in the community uh, as well. But, yeah, if it, if it had just been for him, that would have been worth it because it gave him such a, a, a self-confidence, I think, to see that these stories are, are really about him and his friends. What was the, the uh, school learning process like for Charlie? Well, after, um, after the Adaptive Learning Center, uh, where he was until he was six, he went on to elementary school uh, in a uh, public school, but he was in a self-contained class uh, because that's really the best place for him to be with other kids like him. Because once we were at six years old, we pretty much knew that even though he had done some walking with a walker, it was more for exercise and movement and tone uh, and, and, and bone strength. It really was not going to be a practical, like he wasn't going to be out in the community walking with a, with a, a walker. It just wasn't going to happen. He, he didn't have a sense of, he'd fall over immediately. He can't catch himself. So you had to be, it really just wasn't a practical thing. Uh, for him. So his schooling was, you know, in a typical, I mean, in a self-contained classroom, but he was learning, he, he was learning basic life skills, like how to get dressed, um, how to, you know, hold a fork and, and eat and, you know, just all these basic things that these kids who have severe special needs really need to learn. And that's the best place for them to learn it because the academic side is, I mean, they do some stuff, but, you know, he, he's not going to, to really read. Now he recognizes words, when I wear a Waffle House T-shirt, he points at it and says, "Let's go," <laughs> or he, point, he just points at it and starts making Waffle House, making his sign for waffles. And I'm like, "You want to go to Waffle House?" He's like, "Yes." <laughs> Have we met? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the name of one of the books. Charlie goes to uh, Waffle House, but there are several in the series. Did you have uh, an outline of, of which adventures you wanted to feature in books, and is there a reason why going to school was the first one? Well, uh, yes, there is a reason. So actually, the Waffle House book was the first one I wrote. And then I wrote the other ones of Charlie going to school, Charlie going to Tommy's Barbershop, Charlie playing baseball, and Charlie in the Half Marathon. I wrote all of those, and the Waffle House one was the, was kind of the, the crown jewel because that was where it really all started. And so I did the first one, Charlie Goes to School, because I wanted to learn how my illustrator worked. And I did, you know, we wanted to see how she worked, how the book came out, what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it, and all those kind of things. So that was the first one, it was kind of just a test run to see how it would go. And, and there were some good things, and there were some things I wanted to change. So then I had, um, we go to a special barber in Atlanta, his name's Tommy, and uh, he's, he's an institution, and he's just great with all the kids and has all the donuts on Saturday morning, and he just has a great <laughs> special relationship with Charlie. So I wanted to celebrate Tommy in the community. I mean, how do you really celebrate a barber? So I wrote the book about Charlie Goes to Tommy's because I wanted to celebrate him, and everybody in Atlanta knows Tommy. So, I mean... He, he's, he knows all the politicians, everybody. So I did that one as my second one as kind of, okay, now that I've learned some things, let's, get, let's, let's do it again and see if this comes out better, and it did. And then I went to the third one, which was Waffle House, got permission from them to do the book. They were very excited about it. And so then I did the third one at Waffle House, and it came off really, really well. 
everybody in the book is real. The, the customers that are in there are friends of mine. They're all cameo appearances of people. Joe Rogers, the owner, I've got him behind the um, uh, behind the cash register and a cameo in the book. So it's it's a fun book to celebrate all the people that are at the particular Waffle House that we go to, and and, and other people on the staff that have just been great to Charlie. And so that was kind of the order of, of how they came into being. And then I wanted to celebrate his baseball coach, Leo, um, because of all he had done to, to manage this baseball team for 15 years and celebrate the inclusion of the buddies. And then I finally finished it with Charlie in the half marathon. I, I pushed him in a bunch of half marathons. Charles, was there a seminal moment when you were out doing things with Charlie when you realized, I, I should write books about this? You know, <laughs> it wasn't something I sat down and really contemplated. It just kind of came out. I mean, I don't know. I was just sitting there one day, and the Waffle House book just literally came out of me. And I thought, wow, okay. And it created sort of a template. And so then I went back and I looked at his school and kind of used the same template of, you know, children rhyming, it's all rhyming, and just, you know, kind of created another one. And then I did the, you know, the barber shop, and it just kind of evolved. I, it, it really wasn't something I meticulously sat down and, you know, had a strategy of how to create and sell children's books. Had you that wasn't the purpose. Had you done any writing before? Well, I am an English major um, from college, so I've, I've done a fair amount of writing. Um, just, I mean, I've written some other things uh, for newsletters and stuff within our special needs community in Atlanta about Charlie going to church or things like that. So, yes, I had done, I've, I've done writing my whole life, but as I told my, uh, my English professor from high school, I said, now you can celebrate with all your friends that one of your students is still writing at a six-year-old level. <laughs> oh that's funny charles um did you i mean in writing these books were you inspired possibly by by any children's writers maybe of books that you shared with charlie and and maybe even your other kids as well um you know i, I mean obviously we read tons of children's books and i did go through the children's sections at Barnes and Noble and look at all the books and, you know, they were, and, and they're, they're fine, but they, they really were not the inspiration for this at all. Um, it just, as I said, it kind of came out of me and it was the people, the environment, the interaction and Charlie were the motivation. Um, you know, I've, I've, always donated any money from the sales of these books uh, to nonprofits that um, different nonprofits. One, I started out with Adaptive Learning Center because that's where I was working, but then I moved on to other, other nonprofits uh, to support them because I never wanted to make this a, um, you know, like it was a, um, a profit center. It was really a, a celebration center. Of, of celebrating him, celebrating diversity, celebrating special needs, and and using that to get a message into the into the community and into the world of of inclusion, um, we're all better off being inclusive versus exclusive. And special needs kids are are the last to be 
thought of, especially on the discrimination side. Um, they kind of get left out no matter what. Uh, is Charlie able to read? He's not able to read, but he does recognize words. So he, he, he can kind of read sight words. So he knows when he sees the word Waffle House or if he sees McDonald's or, uh, you know, things like that. He, he knows those words because he, you know, he, he's, he figured it out. Is, is, he recognizing, like he story. is he recognizing the words or is it more of a logo recognition? Um, I think he really recognizes the words. And early on, we were doing some sight words with him. And we would put the sight words out and just see if he could pick them. And I would read the words, and I would say, which one is a saw? And he would point to it. Or which one is a car? And he would point to it. So I feel like he, could, he, he picked up on the sight words um, you know, better than, than I would have imagined. Um, but I really never, never really sat down and tried to see if he could actually read a book. Because he really just kind of looks at the pictures. He does have a communication device that he uses. It's, um, it's kind of hard to hear, though, and that he ha uses for pictures to say what he wants sometimes, too. Yeah, I just, I've, I've thought of that because I remember when my daughters were really little and first learning, um, before they even started learning to read, they recognized logos from a mile away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no! Now he does. Now he does that very well. Yes. Um, well, especially if it's you know McDonald's or the Waffle House. Right. Um, in the oh, I know what I wanted to ask you, Charles. Is what kind of feedback have you been getting from readers of the book? Well. Uh, I get very positive feedback, and most of the – I will have some of my friends who are moms will take pictures of their kids sleeping with two or three of the books around them as they fell asleep reading them, going to bed. Um, I've had moms tell me that this has opened up their their child's eyes to see other people and differences and not be as afraid of them. Um they, they just say the kids love it. Uh, a really cute story is uh, my daughter was babysitting. I would take the books in and read them into the preschools where the Adaptive Learning Center had, had students. And I would go into those classrooms and read, and read the Charlie stories to them. And so one time my daughter had been babysitting for a family in the neighborhood, and they came over, and the mom wanted their son to meet Charlie. So they came over into, the, into our house, and the little boy walks in, and he freezes, and he stares at Charlie, and he looks up, and he says, can the wheelchair really fly? <laughs> and, and he had been in, I didn't know him, he had been in one of the classes that I had been reading the book, and I didn't, I didn't know him, and I didn't, you know, they were new to the neighborhood, and so he, and so my daughter quickly says, it can, but right now the batteries are charging. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> boy, out of the mouths of babes, right? Yeah, exactly. Is, um, does does Charlie 
um, I'm not sure exactly how to even ask this, and I know it's been tough over the last year and a half because of the pandemic, but do you do a lot of uh, appearances, book signings, and, and book readings, and, and those kinds of things, and does Charlie go with you? And, and finally, um, are kids a little surprised that Charlie's a lot older than they expect? Um, yes, yeah, so I do. So you're right. I haven't done this in a year and a half to two years because of COVID. I was taking him into some of our classrooms that I was affiliated with with the Adaptive Learning Center to give those uh, students an opportunity to meet Charlie. To, to and, and I was reading his books, and then I would bring him in. Um, I think they never verbalized whether they were surprised that he was so much bigger and older. Uh, but I think they were more just mesmerized by seeing him. Um, the front wheelchair, the front wheels on his wheelchairs light up, so they kind of get focused on those type of things, and just you know asking questions about him. Um, and so I don't think they really were in, as in shock that he was a lot older than was portrayed in the books. But yes, I do take him out, and um, I've had, like for example, I've got a. Um, um, a professor wants me to bring Charlie to uh, their nursing students to see how to communicate. It's a um, OBGYN labor delivery class. How to communicate with somebody who you can't communicate with very well, and like with babies, and what, what's it going to be like, and how do you feel, and and what, what's that experience like of trying to figure out some, what somebody's telling you that really can't tell you what what they want to. They can't verbalize it. And so we're, they're using Charlie as an example of that to try to give their nursing students an opportunity to experience working with somebody that's nonverbal. This is absolutely fascinating. Can Charlie move his wheelchair? He can. He, we first got him a wheelchair when he was two years old, and he took like that to a duck to water. He can, put, he can spin that thing on a dime. He can do wheelies. <laughs> He, I mean, he will show off and spin it around, and I mean, he loves like an open space area to just, you know, fly, like it says in one of, in the school book of, you know, flying down the, the gym floor because it's wide open and he can just let it go. It's a manual wheelchair. It's not an electric wheelchair. So, yes, he just, his, his hands are as strong as steel, and uh, he's, been, he's been flying around in that thing for 20-plus for years. Well, I just wondered if he was able to move it around while the batteries were charging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, he can. That's great. And uh, and kudos to your daughter for a great comeback answer. That was uh, yeah. That was fun. Um, are there more adventures with Charlie to come, or what's what's really next for the the uh, adventures with Charlie imprint, if you will. I, I do have some that I've started kind of working on. Um, I, th this first five was kind of, I wanted to get the series done. It's taken about four or five years to do it. Um, and that's kind of when I said, okay, now I'm kind of ready to come out with the series and be in the public about it. Cause it's a five book series that is really all the core things we do. Now, is that all we do? No. The next one I probably am going to do is Charlie goes to church. Because besides Waffle House, that's his next favorite place to be, is he loves church, and he loves the minister, and literally screams with delight when he sees them. And it's only the senior minister. It's not all the other ones. 
It's just the senior minister. And he did it for the senior minister previously. I don't know if it's because he's the one in the pulpit, but he loves going to church, and everybody loves Charlie's screams. I mean, they come, at first it was like, no, 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 shh, you know, don't do that in church. You gotta be quiet. Right. And now people, now everybody says, oh, I just, I love hearing him scream in the back of the church. I just, I love, I go, Charlie's here. Charlie's here. So um, that's probably the next one. And I've, I'm about three quarters of the way through it. It just, um, I just kind of was ready to take a break and focus on maybe getting the word out about these as I kind of work on that one. Well, it's it's a, a, a tremendous idea, and any time people can share information that that young readers can absorb and that makes them better able to relate to people that are different than them is. Uh, a worthy task to be sure, Charles, and kudos to you for uh, not only all the work that you and your wife have done, you know, with Charlie, but um, but your work at the Adaptive Learning Center and with these books. It's uh, it's phenomenal, and you should be applauded for it. Well, thank you very much. It's been uh, it's really been a passion um, all, all the way around the, the Adaptive Learning Center, the books. It all intertwines together. And it's, it's been a great opportunity to, to be able to do this kind of work. Um, and I have no desire to quit, leave, or go anywhere else. So they're stuck with me for a while. <laughs> well, Charles, I'm glad we were stuck with you for a little while this morning. Um, I really appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners to talk about this, this series and to talk about Charlie. But for listeners, uh, I, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, about the book series, and about your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? We, I do. For the books, it's Adventures W. Charlie. Uh, if I bought the AdventuresWithCharlie.com, it would have been way too expensive. So I just said, let's do Adventures W. Charlie. It's all one word. There are no hyphens or spaces. Um, it was just kind of an easier website to get a hold of versus spending thousands of dollars because of the word with. Um, so it's adventureswcharlie.com. And then also with the Adaptive Learning Center, uh, just for information, if anybody wants it, it's um, uh, ALC at ALC, or it's, it's ALC.org. ALCKids.org. ALCKids.org, I'm sorry, ALCKids.org, you're right, ALCKids.org, or you can look up at um, Adaptive Learning Center, so, but yeah, it is ALCKids.org, and that's the, the organization that, um, that does the inclusion model with the preschools in Atlanta. Well, Charles, thanks so much for uh, being here, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom, I appreciate you having me, it was nice to meet you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. That was Charles Shane. He is the executive director of the Adaptive Learning Center, a preschool inclusion program in Atlanta, Georgia, and he is the author of the Adventures with Charlie book series, which, uh, um, well, it's it's five so more so far with more on the way. And we're going to take a short break and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. And if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. 
but there's lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead, so don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. W.H. Weiscarver, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiscarver, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Weiscarver, 
Wise Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Wise Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner Program, visit whwisecarver.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. off of baby coaches to make go-karts. Now those of you that don't know what a go-kart is, a go-kart is made from wood that you take old orange crates and stuff like that. And, and uh, it's, a, it's shaped like an eye, like a big eye. We'll stand it up for you. Uh, a board goes across this way, and then one goes down the middle, and then one goes across this way again. Then you have to make an axis so that you can make a left and a right turn hammer. Uh, hammer down rope and everything, so you can make a left and right turn. Then you need wheels. You've got to have baby coach wheels. Got to have them. Nothing else will work. So we used to go out at night stealing baby coach wheels. 287 baby coach wheels we stole. The odd wheel was because old weird Harold had a continental on the back. (laughs) And uh, you get in here get in your old go-kart there and just sit in it and just pretend that you were driving all over the country. And you gotta have your own music to, run, to ride your, your go-kart. That was my music. I took mine from the, from the, the Rough Riders. Old Bird Harold took his from the Lone Ranger. And Crying Charlie took his from the Green Horner. We had about three million kids all racing with their own music. And so the cops heard about our stealing because the mothers reported, their kids out here stealing our baby coach wheels. Every morning we put our children into the baby coaches, push them, the coaches don't move. Children look up and say, why me? <laughs> so we had to hide them. And uh, we waited two days for the heat to blow over. And we brought them out Saturday. Saturday morning, go-kart championship of America. And we're out there, all of us, full force, 300 kids out there. And we're warming up our, our go-karts at the top of the hill. We had a race on Dead Man's Hill. It was called Dead Man's Hill because it went straight down for about a quarter of a mile and then it emptied out onto a freeway. (laughs) Henceforth the name Dead Man's Hill. And uh, we had everything. We had had guys that would make uh, pit stops and everything. If your wheel came off, guys would grab it and put it back on it to have a two-hour pit stop. You know, because it takes a long time to hammer out the nail, straighten it back out, and then put it back in with a rock. You know, you can do it with a nail and a hammer, a real straight one, but you can't do it with a rock. Good. And we had a fireman, little kid, three years old, used to follow us running down the hill. <laughs> had a cup of water in his hand. Whenever you went bad, he hit you in the face with, you know. 
and put you out, run back up. He's graduated now. He was fast. So now we got the go-kart championship of America, and we're all warming up. I warm, I'm, I'm warming up my go-kart. Hadn't even gotten out of first gear yet. Old Weird Harold's warming up his Rolls Royce. His sounds like this. And his old crying child. And the kid came out with his father's underwear. He took black shoe polish, made some squares on him, and he waved him. They're off! We're going down the hill. And I'm winning by six inches. Right behind me is old Weird Harold. And he's gaining on me. It's almost like a four-way tie for first place. Old Weird Harold shot past me. Gotta catch up with him. Reached into my pocket, pulled out my trusty can of three-in-one oil. Zoomed ahead. One of the kids went off to the side and actually boosh right in the face. Got him. And I look about 20 feet from the bottom of the hill and I see 900 cop cars waiting. I went to my emergency brake, which is a piece of wood. Push it forward, it'll stop you if you're going about one mile every five weeks. No good. Put my legs down. I gotta stop. The cops are gonna lock us up. No, no. We smashed up 905 six-year-old kids on the ground crying. Oh, hold on. The cops are beautiful. Gonna scare us to death. Pull the guns out. We'll shoot them down right here. Kill all of them, boy. Crying Charlie broke. The cops pulled out the cuffs, put the handcuffs on us, and it backfired on them because her wrists were so skinny that as soon as we put our arms down, they fell off. <laughs> hey, Mrs., the things fell off of us, but we wasn't trying to run away or nothing. We was just standing right here. Honest, don't shoot us down or nothing, but they fell off of us because our wrists, and so they thigh cuffed us together, and that's the way we went to jail. Ta -dum, ta -dum, ta -dum, ta -dum. Yeah. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Every night and day And 
One minute of sleeping Worrying about the way things might have been Big wheel, keep on turning Proud Mary, keep on I pumped a lot of pain down in New Orleans But I never saw the good side of the city Until I hitched a ride on the riverboat queen Big wheel, keep on turning Proud Mary, keep on burning Isolated, I think all that there. 
Pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>